welcome you to the first podcast of The Measure Day. My name is Andrew Robinson, and um, this is, like I said, the first podcast on a new platform, on a new, uh, on a new podcast. And today I want to look very briefly at the idea of peace. Uh, we recently, as Christians, celebrated Palm Sunday. We enter now into the most holy of weeks, which is uh, Holy Week. <laughs> and, uh, and getting us in there is uh, the very familiar story of Jesus riding in on the beast of burden, uh, the donkey. One writer likened the move of Jesus doing this to a form of street theater. And he does it on a donkey because he is underscoring or affirming the fact that he comes in peace. And it is probably important for reasons I'll look at very quickly in a moment. It's probably important that he make it known as evidently as he did. These were violent times. These were oppressive times. Um, It was a time of Passover for the Jewish nation. They commemorated liberation from Egyptian rule. But now they find themselves firmly ensconced under Roman rule and suffering um, again, once again, a, a deep form of cultural and systemic oppression. No doubt this is why uh, Jesus entered sweeping down from the Mount of Olives uh, in a manner that is so clearly a manner of peace. Entering from the other side, uh, some historians and, and writers tell us um, Pontius Pilate would have arrived. The Roman governor coming from the other side would have been a very different form of street theater there. It would have been about war horses, imperial cavalry, and soldiers. It would have been about pomp and might. It would have reminded the people and anybody who might have been tempted to step out of line in any way that the full measure of Rome's might would be unleashed upon them. We know too, um, as Jesus enters Jerusalem in this fashion, that other other revolutionaries enter Jerusalem um, in recent history for Jesus. We can think of Judas Maccabeus, known as the Hammer of the Jews, who fought the Seleucid Empire in the second century before Christ. Um, and the aim there was to triumph through bloodshed, a violent revolution. So the image of Jesus on a donkey, or the cult, the fall of a donkey, as Matthew puts it, uh, it becomes even starker and more dramatic and unexpected. This is not the violent revolutionary that um, some people might have expected. We too live in violent times, even as people of faith, we struggle. Regardless, I think, of who we are or where we are, we struggle to not bend the knee before some form of violence. We can think last week of the killings in Nashville and um, as I was reading about that and um, and looking through articles, I was struck by an image of a woman praying in a church. It was a desperate image. It was heartfelt. It was also, dare I say, disturbingly ironic because it is churches and their adherents in certain forms of Christianity, I think maybe primarily of conservative evangelical Christianity, that are devoted, and I use that word intentionally, to arming its citizenry. Uh, lost in a maelstrom of political allegiance, devotion to constitution of a Christ, or guns before God, or guns and God, which maybe is more terrifying. Either way, um, that struggle again was laid bare, that we really do struggle to follow the Prince of Peace as we are called to. Of course, all of that can be a red herring. The easiest way to avoid change of self is to make issues national or about other people. Um, So how is the image of the Prince of Peace challenging to you and me? Can we lodge the story in the ordinary? 
I want to share a story about an ordinary guy that keeps us stateside. You may have caught wind of the story uh, if you <laughs> sort of saw the story on social media platforms and thought, oh, that sort of interests me. You may have clicked and read about this. It certainly did for me. But the story is about a guy called Brandon Sanderson. Now, Brandon Sanderson lives in Utah. You probably don't know him unless you're into Mormon fantasy fiction which I'm certainly not, maybe you are, in which case I'd love to have a, a conversation with you. The thing about Brandon Sanderson is he's unusually good at it. He earned about $50 million last year writing his books. Anyway, a reporter asked to interview him. Now, Brandon is apparently a quiet, unassuming, and bit of a reclusive character, um, but he agreed to allow this reporter to tag along for a day or maybe more. Um, and he agreed to his detriment. You see, Sanderson's a Mormon, and the reporter came in and basically did a hatchet job. He skewered Brandon's faith. He called him a weirdo Mormon. He went after his work, his fan base. He was condescending. He belittled Brandon. He mocked him and made fun of him. And uh, all in all, he abused the trust that Brandon had placed in him. Well, it turns out that fantasy fan bases can be quite a force. They were outraged and they jumped to Brandon's defense. So Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson wrote a reply and uh, I want to share that with you because I think it is indicative, a real example of what it means to be an agent of peace in the world. He wrote this. I get that Jason, the writer, felt incredibly conflicted about the fact that he finds me lame and boring. I'm baffled how he seemed to find every single person on his trip, my friends, my family, my fans, to be worthy of derision. But he also feels sincere in his attempt to try to understand. While he legitimately seems to dislike me and my writing, I don't think that's why he came to see me. He wasn't looking for a hit piece. He was looking to explore the world through his writing. In that, he and I are the same, and I respect him for it. Even if much of his tone seems quite dismissive of many people and ideas I care deeply about. I'm not offended that the true me bores him. Honestly, I'm a guy who enjoys his job, loves his family, and is a little obsessive about his stories. There's no hidden trauma, no skeletons in my closet. Just a guy trying to understand the world through story. That is kind of boring. From an outsider's perspective, I can see how it is difficult to write an article about me for that reason. But at the same time, I'm worried about the way he treats our entire community. I understand that he didn't just talk about me, but about you. As has been happening to fantasy fans for years, the general attitude of anyone writing about us is that we should be ashamed for enjoying what we enjoy. In that, the tone feels like it was written during the 80s. Look at these silly nerds liking things, huh? dare they like things don't they know the things they like are dumb as a community let's take a deep breath it's all right i appreciate you standing up for me but please leave jason alone this might feel like an attack on us on you but it's not jason wrote what he felt he needed and as a writer he is my colleague please show him respect he should not be attacked for sharing his feelings if we attack people for doing so, we make the world a worse place because fewer people will be willing to be their authentic selves. And I find value in you. Your passion for my work is a big part of why I write. You make my life special. Thank you. 
Note, I do want to make it clear again that I bear Jason no ill will. I like him. Please leave him alone. He seems to be a sincere man who tried very hard to find a story, discovered that there wasn't one that interested him, then floundered in trying to figure out what he could say to make Deadline. I respect him for trying his best to write what he obviously found a difficult article. He's a person, remember, just like each of us. That's how he ends. He's a person, remember, just like each of us. The question I want to ask is how was he able to do that, to speak words and sentiments of peace when he was the actual victim of the piece that was written? The answer is complex and a 10-minute podcast, hopefully under 10 minutes. (laughs) Uh, We don't have time to look at all of it and maybe future podcasts will uh, sort of pull back the curtain on some of those reasons. I do want to suggest that for me what stands out is that Brandon functions with profound levels of awareness. The idea of awareness is one whose importance has grown exponentially for me as I've pursued spiritual transformation and maturity. By no means have I reached that, obviously, but that word and that idea has become very, very important for me. Brandon understands the human condition, and that is important. He knows the distinction, maybe innately, between agreeing and understanding. He obviously doesn't agree with the conclusions that the writer draws, but he certainly can understand where he is coming from. It frames his response. He is able to creatively imagine himself into a position that is not his, even if that position has harmed him. And in this sense, he is a truly empathetic person. And I wonder sometimes, as um, spiritual seekers, if we should not speak more about the connective tissue joining true peace and awareness, how the one leads to the other. Maybe that's a question we can sit with, a brief thought for this morning or this evening, or the start or end of your week, wherever you find yourself. How um, important is awareness to you, and how well do we function with it? Thank you for listening to this first episode of the Measured Day podcast, Peace and Awareness, the story of Brandon Sanderson. If you do like the podcast, please won't you subscribe and share with people that you think might appreciate it as well. Thank you for listening and bye for now.